Welcome. This is the podcast from First Baptist Church of Madison, North Carolina. I'm Dr. Chuck McGathy, and uh, this is our first podcast for our third season of podcasting. This happens to be the 95th pandemic worship, and this is for the first Sunday of the new year 2022. It's Time for Grace is the title of the message today. It comes from John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him and without Him. Not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. We speak a lot about God's grace. I like that. I think it should be a big part of our conversations and our calculations about one another. Just the other day, Tony passed this thought along to me. Perhaps you've heard it too. It goes like this. When you finally learn that a person's behavior has more to do with their internal struggle than it ever did with you, you learn grace. Now, I'm not sure who came up with that, but I really do think they are on to something. Grace has everything to do about our relationships with each other and with God. Let's think about grace today as we read one more time our scripture for today and think deliberately about how John concludes his introduction to his gospel account. This starts in verse 10. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, he gave the power to become sons of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as the only son of the Father, full of grace and truth. It was the Greek word logos. That caught my attention as I prepared this, the first sermon of 2022. Logos, the term we translate in English as the word, has a meaning that far exceeds the limitations of our common language. And while we may catch some of the power and some of the poetry of this prologue to John's gospel in our native tongue, we need to try to hear it with the ears of the first audience who in their own language heard words that changed their understanding of time, space, and limitation. 
These were words of liberation and hope. In these words, chaos was obliterated by the order of God as he intervened in a world gone mad. This was an invitation not to be a better person, but to live in an entirely new dimension. In these words of introduction, John uses the word grace four times. He tells us that the whole point, the entire reason the Logos invited the chaos was so that we might, from God, receive grace upon grace. Listen as he introduces these ideas to his audience, and who were his audience? They were the confused, the hurt, the fearful, the oppressed, the ones rich and poor, powerful and powerless, who were held inescapably bound by the forces of sin that convulsed the world in a paroxysm of pain and bondage. And if we are honest, we will recognize that the same fallen description of humanity applies to us as well. We are that congregation to which the words of the apostle are so appropriately addressed. As you face a new year full of old sorrows and new hurdles, Maybe you too can hear the words of a man named John who walked with another man he came to believe was more than a good fellow with a good message. He came to accept, he came to embrace wholeheartedly that Jesus was the Logos. He wrote it down for all who will listen in the first 18 verses of the gospel that bears his name. Listen again to the first sentence in the original language. This is how it sounded in Greek. In arche eno logos kai o logos en proston theon kai theos e o logos. You can easily hear that the word logos is dominant. Logos was a common word and an important concept in Greek philosophy. The Greeks believed, and rightly so, that the world was highly volatile, always on the verge of destruction. Yet, in spite of this, and somehow in some ultimate way, the world was under the control of Logos. Even though they could not quite define it or put a face on it, they sensed that it was the force, the essential ingredient that provided purpose, hope, and a foundation for living. The opposite of Logos was chaos, and they were polar opposites. One held the world together, the other sought to tear it apart. John takes sides. He claims that the Logos will prevail through his gospel, his good news, John is saying to the Greek world, you believe in Logos. Jesus is the Logos come to earth. Jesus is the mind of God in human form. The lesson of the Logos was not lost on the Jews. They too had a special feeling about the power of that word. The expression finds its roots deep in Hebrew scriptures. In her commentary on this verse, Galo Dale points out the creation accounts of Genesis are governed by God's spoken word, the Logos. We hear it echoed again and again throughout the pages of the Bible. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And in Psalms we learn, by the word, the Logos of the Lord, heavens were made, and all their host by the breath of his mouth. And again, he sent out his word and healed them. It has been tempting 
through the close association with spoken, the spoken and written word to somehow meld together the concepts. That great preacher of preachers, Fred Craddock, explains in part how this happened. The feminine equivalent of logos is Sophia, which means wisdom. In the apocryphal book of Sirach, which the Jews honored but did not regard as equal with Scripture, there is a story of God granting wisdom permission to dwell on the earth. That word, that logos, is how John describes Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. Nothing else comes close. He is the antidote for chaos and sin. And he came to do something in this world through individual human hearts to give them grace upon grace. Try as I may, I cannot begin to express how powerful this statement is. It may very well be that no human being, no matter how learned or skilled, can adequately express what grace upon grace is really all about. It is a turn of thinking so monumental that we have very few experiences from life or literature that can begin to approach the radical truth John exposes through his words. For me, one possible, one pale attempt to illustrate this is the change wrought in and by a aging Spanish gentleman in Miguel Cervantes' classic novel, Don Quixote. A 50-ish year old man named Quiana from an area of Spain known as La Mancha was transformed. Any thoughtful reader realizes that the real fascination of the book is not the delusions of this laughable character, but the change that occurred in those around him. Through his vision of the world, radically different from theirs, Don Quixote achieved his mission. He changed wrong into right and despair into hope. This change from wrong to right, chaos to logos, is powerfully demonstrated in the musical version of the story. The audiences of Man of La Mancha are moved by the redemption that occurs when a mistreated and abused woman named Aldonza is transformed by Quixote into the Lady Dulcinea. Darkness becomes light in her soul because she dared to listen to an alternative version of reality. And that is exactly what John wants of his readers. It is what God wants of all of us as we face 2022, that we might consider a new set of facts, facts that if believed will change us, the real facts. He states these from the outset. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It is the new starting place, a place of faith based upon the truth that had been so long obscured by darkness and evil run amok. Grace upon grace is the message of the Logos to humanity that has jumped off the rails and fallen into a deep ravine. Grace is offered as a way of escape. It is the chance to begin again. It is forgiveness and it is power for living a new life. It cannot be described in mild language. It is not refreshment. It is not, it is, in fact, resurrection. It is not new realization. It is revelation. It is not a moment of insight. It is being born to newness of life. How do you visualize grace? <coughs> It certainly is forgiveness. <coughs> it is also power for living, and it is hope. And it is, of course, a purpose for living. It is all of this. 
It is the missing something that turns us from beasts into believers, sinners into saints, lost souls into children of God. Grace is all of this too. But how do you visualize grace? What does it look like in your imagination? For me, I think about the ocean. I think about how it supports life. One day as I was walking along the ocean side in Spain, I looked out and I saw a raft that was floating free upon the waves. I thought for a moment that that raft must be something like grace, but then I realized it wasn't. What was grace was the ocean that supported the raft. It was there. It was in that moment that I began to see how big grace is. There is a sermon from some years ago called The Sea of Grace. And that got me thinking, maybe the raft isn't the picture of grace, but it is the sea itself. We draw grace from the total resources of God, an inexhaustible warehouse. Regardless of our need of grace, the supply is greater. Imagine standing on a seashore and watching waves roll in. They come every few seconds and the supply never fails. If we had been there the day before, the year before, a thousand years ago, we would have seen the waves maintaining their steady tempo. If we were to return tomorrow or a thousand tomorrows, the waves would be rolling in as faithfully as when we first saw them. So it is with the grace of God, faithful, inexhaustible. So there we have it. A beginning of a gospel, the telling of good news to a world spiraling to chaos, the dramatic change of perspective so fundamental, so profound, that we must read further. The Logos has arrived. His name is Jesus. He makes all things. Without him, nothing could exist. With him, all things are put right into their proper perspective. His divinity is beyond question. His power to redeem unchallenged. And grace, 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 grace upon grace is the message for human beings. Not just for a few extra special people. Not just for the ones who wash up and make church on Sunday. Not just for the mystics who spend years in contemplation, but grace for everyone who calls upon his name. The final verse of this passage sums the entire thought. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. That is Jesus. That is Jesus has explained God to us. The question for you, the question for each individual is, do you understand? Do you know grace? I do not know what 2020 two holds in store for you or me. I hope for good things, but I'm old enough and experienced enough to know that some things will be hard to bear. But it really doesn't matter. We are the ones redeemed by our knight in shining armor. We are the mariners set sail on a sea of grace. You see, we have the word, the very logos of God in our hearts, and there is nothing that can steal our hope. Our hope. Perhaps you are not sure what this hope is all about. Then I invite you this day to consider the message of John. If you are tired of trying to figure out God, or even if there is a God, then I invite you to open your eyes to the truth that will not die. Jesus loves you. Let him this day bring you grace. Receive him. Believe in him. And become a child of God. Let us pray. 
Lord Jesus, Word of God, I ask right now that you open eyes that have been blind and hearts that have been hard. Pour your grace upon the broken, the needy, the lonely, and afraid. Free prisoners from the power of sin and give them grace upon grace. Give them courage and faith to stand up for you, and by so doing, give others hope that they too can become sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>